Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you are having a great day and happy ADA month. Can you believe this this month, July 26th, it will be the 29th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So exciting. And a special shout out to my friend, Yoshiko Dart, who, late husband, Justin Dart, was incredibly involved as was Yoshiko, in getting the ADA signed. So we always have a special shout-out to Yoshiko. And, wow, 17 countries listening to the show. I must tell you, every time I see that, I get so excited. And every time I see it, Ireland is raining. So, you know what? Whatever you're doing there, keep on doing it. Thank you. And to every country listening to the show, thank you so much. And a special thanks to Highmark, our lead sponsor of the show for the past three years. What a great company uh, they are. A company that cares about quality of life for people with disabilities, just like our guest today, Representative Miller, welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, hey, for our listeners, I would first like to be- you to begin by telling them about your background as a young boy. You know, I'm really interested in them hearing about your youth. Okay. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me. And um, uh, while I am... Uh, I, well, I live in Pittsburgh, right outside Pittsburgh. Uh, I am uh, actually from about an hour north of New York City. Uh, so I was, um, my, I was the uh, first one in my family on both sides born in America. Um, both my uh, parents obviously were immigrants, came through Ellis Island. Um, my mother was English uh, and my father Sicilian. And um, they ended up having a short but I'm sure passionate uh, marriage uh, in some ways, and uh, that brought about uh, both myself and my sister. Um, and uh, we were raised in a, um, a kind of a, a bit of a challenging neighborhood, but um, you know, we uh, my mom did always did her best uh, to be sure that um, you know we we were okay. Um, and we had you know some challenges, some struggles that came across, uh, but um, but overall, the the thing that really kind of kept. I know for me, afloat with it was uh, just always having support of not just my mother, but a sort of an extended family. Um, my grandmother, uh, very influential in my life, and uh, I was actually uh, raised in a house of, of four women, um, and uh, that left a um, you know sort of a, a, um, a big impression on me uh, about uh, certain things that would come up more as I would get into more elected office and so forth. Um, but um, always considered myself to uh, be blessed with a loving family, and that's what made all the difference. Oh, and it does. Wow, your mother was a strong woman. 
Oh yeah, she uh, you know she she did she did well uh, in, in many ways, and, and she went through a bunch of uh, tough parts. Uh, there was uh, some some domestic violence uh, that was um, uh, tough, uh, and uh, you know she also had um, some mental health uh, issues, depression. Uh, she battled uh, for uh, a good chunk of her uh, life, very very crippling. Uh, but back then too, it was. Um, uh, not so easy to uh, discuss, to bring about, identify, or to get help with. Uh, and um, looking back on it, I think we all kind of realize more, much more what it was. My, my mom has since passed, but, um, uh, you know, she, the depression was a major um, challenge for her um, um, to kind of get where she was hoping to, to go. Yeah, well... That certainly I know, and we'll talk about it later, obviously had an impact on your advocacy. And so, Dan, after Mm -hmm. high school, you immediately enlisted in the Army National Guard. But Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I want to say immediately isn't exactly right. Um, okay, what, what was so, it? So uh, I ended up, as you, I know you were going to get to, I ended up getting injured. Um, but um, in truth, I signed my, I quit school. I signed myself out of high school at 17. So, um, uh, so I left in my senior year, uh, moved across state, and got a job um, at a gas station. Uh, and um, kind of uh, without a lot of uh, thought, uh, gave, um, made a couple decisions that weren't always the best. Um, but um, the, when I was 19, I enlisted in uh, the Army National Guard, and um, that was largely because of my grandmother's influence, um, uh, who was very proud to have brought her family over here to this country. Uh, and it was always something that she talked about, which was um, that we were lucky to be here and that we had an obligation um, uh, to give back to it, and um, uh, I felt that that was a good way for me to try and be of service. Unfortunately, I kind of busted up an ankle, um, and after a couple weeks of trying to um, deal with that, uh, it ended up being diagnosed as some sort of degenerative ankle condition uh, that they didn't believe would hold up to combat stress, and that was it. Well, so I still think very it's awesome. Career. I think it's awesome that you enlisted, you know, that you wanted to uh, serve the country. Why did you do that? Like, what caused you to enlist? Was it your grandmother's influence then? Yeah, it's, um, you know, look, like a lot of uh, young people, especially uh, young men, uh, it it, it sometimes seems. Uh, You know, I was kind of jumping around between uh, trying to find my path. Um, the, I was trying to really kind of fall back to like lessons learned and, and uh, things that were meaningful to me. Um, and like I said, having, um, left high school in the middle of my senior year, um, I, um, I, I it took me a little bit to find a, a, a way forward. Uh, but I always remember, said my, my grandmother, um, you know, um, uh, was raised in, um, England and, um, you know, her stories of, um, uh, World War II and the, the impact um, of what it meant to have American soldiers there at a time where she didn't, as a young girl, she didn't feel a lot of hope, how much that meant to have the American soldiers there. Um, it always kind of, I think, laid the seed in her mind as to where she wanted to go and what America's role in the world was supposed to be. Um, and so when the opportunity came for her to bring her four children over, 
um, she did that, uh, and part of that was always this um, thing that no matter how tough or not tough things in our lives may be, that you had to be sure to find a role uh, to give back to the country in some way that would, um, you know, um, uh, be positive. So that sort of laid the foundation for me to uh, enlist, um, and, um, and that led me to um, my basic training in, in beautiful Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Wow, that is awesome. Yes, I must say, as they will hear in a little bit, you have had quite a journey. You really have. You've had quite the journey. You know, here you are now in public service. And and that sort of fits because when I met you, and I've got to tell you about Representative Dan Miller. He is awesome. Okay, he came to meet with me because of the advocacy work he's doing. So anyone listening, let me just tell you, he is just the real deal when it comes to uh, disability and uh, advocacy. And he's a very nice, humble person, uh, someone that you can be proud to know. And as I said, he has an incredible career of community service. Uh, You were a voluntary fireman, and I read about the time you were awarded a Medal of Merit. Can you talk about that? Well, uh, yeah. um, I I still am a a firefighter here in in my hometown here in Mount Lebanon. Um, So a very blessed, great group of uh, men and women uh, in a fantastic department uh, very well supported by its community and, and a great organization to be part of. Um, you know, um, look, we um, we had a, a Mother's Day uh, incident. I actually was driving to my mother-in-law's house, and uh, we came across a, uh, my wife and I came across a um, sort of a farmhouse on fire. And uh, there was a mother um, in the middle of the road uh, flagging us down and sort of banging on our hood asking for help. Um, and so um, I was, you know, we pulled over, obviously, and I grabbed my gear. The bad part was I, I did not have, obviously, uh, you know, any sort of breathing apparatus to put on. I just had my bunker gear uh, and, um, you know, uh, went into the building, which was uh, a pretty good fire, um, um, especially uh, sort of what we call the A side, the front side of the building, and uh um, I was able to kind of gain entry through uh, sort of the corner, the back corner, which would be where the kitchen was, uh, but heavy smoke. Um, and to be honest, just I uh, probably got about a third of the way into the first floor uh, crawling, and it just was too hot, too singeing. Uh, I was trying to filter breathe through my glove. But anyhow, I ended up pulling back out and trying to find another way through because we, of course, where I, um, the mom had said there's a child in there. Uh, unfortunately, um, well, um, thankfully, not too much longer after that, um, some of the local departments were there and did a great job too in trying to respond with as many, as much manpower as we possibly could at the, at the time. Um, and uh, you know, we had a, a bit of a partial com- uh, collapse of the building as well. Um, unfortunately, we we did find the child, um, but of course, uh, at that time, uh, it was uh, too late. Um, we were. Uh, all of us were very committed to trying to be sure that um, um, we recovered the child, um, and so we, we that was a priority for us. Uh, once we, of course, uh, realized that this was not a life-saving 
scenario at that point. But, um, you know, got a little hairy in there, um, but, um, um, and I was glad to rely on the training I received at my uh, great department, um, and uh, I think that kind of served us all a little bit well, um, and there were some great other firefighters who were in uh, there too, and uh, like I said, it was a big team effort. We really tried to do as best we can and, and uh um, to save that child, uh, but unfortunately, we um, time was not on our side, uh, and uh, the fire spread through that farmhouse with um, great speed, uh, with just um, very difficult, very challenging conditions. And um, while I appreciate the acknowledgement of the effort, um, you know, to be honest, it is not something that I, um, you know, um, it wasn't the result we were looking for. So I appreciate the the acknowledgement and the effort with it, but we fell a little bit short on that day. Um, you know, but I didn't do anything any other firefighter wouldn't have done. I just happened to be the first one uh, there and the first one to make entry. And um, but anybody else would have done the same thing. So, well, you know, two things I would say about that. Yeah, number one, wow, you know that is unbelievable. The courage you have to do that. Number two, I cannot imagine how hard that was for you then to know that that child was lost yeah uh yeah i mean obviously not as uh hard it was for the mom uh and the father who had um and they'd kind of dropped out of the second uh floor uh window um and one of the other children uh, i believe actually had broken a leg in the fall right before we arrived on the scene uh so the father was carrying the one a child with a broken leg um, and uh, going to the neighbor's um, house when the mother had flagged us down, so to speak, in the, in the roadway. So, I mean, look, a, um, you know, um, a tragic uh, ending, um, you know, but that's uh, obviously what we do as firefighters. We hope to uh, do enough training and be prepared uh, in a way that will just increase the possibilities of making saves in those scenarios. Uh, that is definitely the goal. Um, and I've been trained by some fantastic firefighters, um, you know, again, we have a great department out here with it. Um, you know, uh, occasionally, uh, life is, is, is going in a different direction. Uh, and, uh, that gets uh, a bit difficult. Um, you know, but again, I, um, the real loss of course was for that mom on that day. Uh, my heart goes out to her every time I uh, come across mother's day. I do, uh, think about her. Um, and, uh, we do drive by where that house no longer is. Um, it is uh, hard to forget, um, um, you know, something that no mom uh, should have to uh, uh, suffer with. Oh, that is so true. Well, you went on to do a lot of other great things, which we're going to talk about right after the break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Dan Miller, representative in the Pennsylvania House of representatives and a disability rights leader. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dan. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985... 
Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking to Representative Dan Miller, Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and a disability rights leader right here in our state. Um, So, Dan, you went on to get a law degree, and then you became a public defender focusing on youth. And if I remember, this is one time period uh, that had a big impact on you. Would you mind Mm -hmm. talking about that? So, uh, yeah, it... um you know, look, it's, uh, I, yeah, we went to, uh, kind of graduated Catholic University and um, uh, finished my law degree actually up here at Pitt, but it was a Catholic law degree. And, um, you know, uh, again, my, my family were, you know, always supportive, but they had said, look, um, uh, our experience with attorneys was a very foreign concept. Uh, it wasn't part of our home. It wasn't part of our, um, you know, our sort of network of friends. So they were like, um, you know, what type of attorney do you want to be? Um, what type of law do you want to practice, and please tell us how you're going to be helpful to somebody um, besides what stereotypically they had in their minds. So um, I, I told them that, um, you know, no matter what, um, for the first five years after law school, I would go do uh, some type of nonprofit or something that would help people no matter what. Um, so that, uh, when my wife and I moved up here from D.C., uh, we were able to uh, get, in, uh, you know, get an interview and to uh, um, uh, kind of work through the uh, public defender uh, here in Allegheny County, um, who was actually, um, they were in the midst of, um, of being sued um, by the ACLU because of a shortfall of uh, attorneys and other support staff. So they needed, a, they needed people who were ready to go, um, and I was part of a large hiring class to get in there. Uh, very thankful for the opportunity uh, to serve. Um, I definitely took it as another way to sort of be um, uh, positive for the country. I considered public defenders to be integral work um, in making sure that um, our criminal justice system works, but also that before the government would come to infringe on somebody's um, uh, rights and liberties, that they would meet their obligation, meet their burden, um, and saw us as a check on government uh, authority, um, and, uh, an important one. So that's how I viewed my, my role, and it didn't obviously make everything easy. Um, uh, public defenders um, and some of my friends have continued on. Uh, it's very um, difficult work, 
Um, uh, but uh, some of my friends have done it now for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years almost. And, um, you know, so uh, uh, your clients, of course, you're handed to you. It's, it's never an easy type of uh, scenario. But um, I spend most of my time uh, working uh, in, the ju- in the juvenile section, um, working with kids, obviously. Um, this is um, kids mostly, let's just say, they were largely in between, say, 12 and, and 18. Could go younger, but typically did not. Um, and uh, so I spent time in the juvenile uh, uh, department several years uh, in the public defender's office there. Um, and that experience was uh, very eye-opening as to the, the needs of the, of the kids, but it also led to questions about the type of issues that uh, children were coming into the system with, and that included um, mental health issues uh, and disability-related issues, um, which was something that when I went into the job, to be honest, I had not thought enough about. When you were in that role then, you obviously then had exposure to kids with mental health issues. So, yeah, and, and the traditional mental health was a little bit easier um, what I didn't, I still remember, uh, you know, my own um, uh, inexperience in relation to anything with a disability. And in particular, I remember a, um, I want to say it was probably 2004 or five, maybe five, um, we had a training in relation to uh, representing kids with autism um, uh, who were charged, criminally charged. And I had no idea. And my mindset in relation to autism literally was, Rain Man. Okay. So my experience was nil. Um, we definitely did not grow up in, a, uh, in the, you know, an academic environment of inclusion. Um, uh, I didn't know, didn't know anything. And the schooling that I had done, which did include some work in relation to special education, was horribly outdated even, you know, six, seven years after uh, my bachelor's degree. So, um, when this topic came up, it was uh, very foreign for me. I, I didn't understand how, uh, again, someone like Rain Man would have been arrested by the police. Um, but that's what was in my head. And then when we sat down for the training, um, you know, I, I, I had a crash course in what, um, in what in sort of, I'll just say, uh, the full spectrum of autism and how not only kids with autism could get arrested, but also uh, kids with a variety of disabilities uh, can be brought in, what the impacts are, and how challenging it may be to communicate and to effectively represent them uh, with a diagnosis, especially one that could impact communication. Um, So that was uh, definitely an eye-opener. The mental health component was something that we were always trained on. There was always an understanding that we had um, um, a, a, a fair amount of our clients would have a mental health issue. The autism was new, um, but in reality, of course, when you're a public defender, at least in Allegheny County, uh, 85%, 90% of the clients you have generally have a mental health issue, could have a disability issue, uh, and may have an addiction issue, and that, or the kind of um, some combination of the three. And that's 85 to 90% of your clients. Um, so having that type of understanding and, and um, um, ability to work with um, uh, that population is essential. Whether or not they should all be in the system is another question, but being able to represent them, at least in some degree effectively, and to make sure that they are actively involved in the protection of their constitutional rights, that is a challenge uh, or was a challenge 
when um, so much of the training was brand new. Yeah, right. And, uh, I mean, in that, that would be a challenge. And of all of these things you did, working with all these different, you know, disabilities, you, you really created an emphasis on mental health. Now, why mental health out of all these other disabilities? Well, um, you know, and, and again, I, I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I'm not quite sure sometimes how certain things get said. Um, you know, uh, definitely in the House of Representatives in, in Harrisburg there, um, you know, I think that most people on both sides of the aisle, uh, definitely in my caucus, um, you know, they have a habit of turning to me in relation to mental health or disabilities. Um, uh, and they think that I am some sort of, uh, of expert. Um, the reality to it all is that um, the fact that any of my friends uh, and colleagues would think of me an ex- of an expert, and I don't mean this in a harsh way, but the fact that they would think of me as an expert only shows how much we really in the legislature don't know about mental health and disability issues. Um, you know, listen, nobody can come into the legislature with an expertise in every topic. Um, you know, that's impossible. So um, I'm glad to be sort of um, helpful in, in a role. Um, as to um, why uh, a mental health or a disability over another, to be honest, that tends to flow with just my intention of bills at the time. Um, I don't, um, if somebody were to tell me what I am I most knowledgeable about with, I would say autism. Um, but, um, you know, clearly the vast majority of the bills that I'm in, uh, that I endeavor to, to get passed are mental health and disability and addiction related. That's clearly it. How somebody calculates the difference between any of them might just depend on the topics of the time that we're talking about. Um, so I, I don't, uh, um, you know, uh, sort of, uh, separate any of them. In fact, I kind of tend to, um, um, not separate. Uh, I kind of link them together, uh, roll the disability and the mental health together as one, not because of the diagnosis difference. Clearly there are uh, differences, but more because just the issues, uh, whether it be uh, stigma issues, uh, lack of support issues, uh, lack of employment, you know, whatever it could be, they tend to be somewhat in the same ballpark of each other. And that's what I find to be unifying. Um, uh, sometimes I get concerned that we in the legislature in particular, um, in our efforts to try to show some speciality, needlessly divide ourselves that spread our resources too thin and our time too short. Um, and so, um, you know, for example, um, in the legislature, uh, we used to have an autism, um, um, an autism uh, caucus uh, and then like an intellectual disability caucus. And we were just like, look, let's take that and let's put it together under, under a disability caucus. Um, because we were finding ourselves divided with time all over the board. Um, and so I, I, that's been my angle more is to not um, separate too much just because more out of my time uh, I cannot, and my expertise, while somewhat helpful in the legislature, is nowhere near yours or many of the advocates or the self-advocates who really live, obviously, and know this world much better than I do. Well, you're really doing a lot. Let me tell you that. You really are. And it is time right now on the half hour, four hour news break, Advocacy Matters with Perry Jude Radisic. Hi, Perry. 
Hi, Joyce. And uh, we need more Dan Millers in our legislatures, not only in Pennsylvania, but across the country. Uh, so thanks uh, for sharing his voice on the radio. Uh, oh, so last week, uh, President Trump signed Public Law 116-22. And we have this legislation posted on our website uh, today, Joyce. And the bill is called the Pandemic and All-Hazard Preparedness and Advancing Innovation Act. So it's a bill that reauthorizes a lot of programs related to the security of the country and emergency preparedness. Well, in this large piece of legislation related to emergency preparedness is Title III. Now, Title III establishes several national advisory committees. One of them is on individuals with disabilities and disasters. So now the country has a brand-new national advisory committee on individuals with disabilities and disasters. The president just signed this bill last week. So this brand-new committee is going to evaluate and provide advice, consultation, and input to Homeland Security with respect to medical, public health, emergency preparedness and response, and the accessibility needs of people with disabilities. This advisory committee uh, will continue until uh, 2023 unless Homeland Security uh, decides that it needs to extend its work. And like all advisory committees, uh, it's in statute about who's going to be on this committee, and it's lots of uh, secretaries and undersecretaries of our federal agencies, but it sure does include people with disabilities. It includes at least two people with disabilities with expertise in disaster planning. And it sure does include representatives from state, local, tribal, territorial agencies also with expertise in disaster planning for individuals with disabilities. So this is great news that there, there will be a National Advisory Committee. And this comes on the heels of two big national reports on um, our, how prepared we are with disasters in this country. And these are posted on our website as well. The first was released in May of 2019. This was a U.S. Government Accountability Office uh, uh, report on uh, disaster assistance from FEMA on supporting individuals with disabilities. And the other, also released in May 2019, was from the National Council on Disabilities on uh, ending the institutionalization of, of people with disabilities during disasters. During disasters. So what's important uh, with Advocacy Matters is that as we move into the summer season, there's always an 800 number to call to ask questions about disasters for persons with disabilities. And that number is on our website, but I'll give it to everyone. It's 800-626-4959. That number is available 24 hours, seven days a week, and it's sponsored by the Partnership for Inclusive Disaster Strategies. I can go to our website at disabilityrightpa.org. 
you, you can find a copy of the bill signed by the president last week, information about this National Advisory Committee, these two reports on disaster preparedness and people with disabilities, and that 800 number as we head into the summer season. So, again, advocacy matters, learn about uh, the latest on disaster preparedness and people with disabilities, and it's disabilityrightspa.org. Yes, I was just going to say, if you're wanting a lot of information on what Perry Jude Radisick was just talking about, go to disabilityrightspa.org to Advocacy Matters, and there is always information on what Perry talks about on the show, disabilityrightspa.org, and Perry, thank you so much for providing that information. Yes, thank you, Joyce. Have a good day. You too. Um, Always good to have a news update on what's going on as it relates to people with disabilities. Um, Well, Representative Miller, you were elected to the House of Representatives. You've been doing all of this work for people, young people with mental health issues. But now you have an extremely impactful conference in Pittsburgh for youth with mental health disabilities and autism, and you'll have to help me what Mm -hmm. all that includes. But would you mind sharing with our listeners and tell everyone about the conference and then when the next conference will be? Uh, Sure. And uh, by the way, always love the resources on that Disability Rights PA. Um, So our our Disability and Mental Health Summit, uh, we have just uh, this March finished our sixth year. Uh, This uh, event here is the largest collection of disability and mental health resources in Western PA. Uh, We have uh, hundreds of organizations that are involved in some capacity or or another, Um, dozens of uh, free informative sessions. Um, you know, and that's obviously a key component to what we, we do as well, is uh, there is no charge uh, in any of our summits uh, to come uh, or to uh, even exhibit in, in some way. There's no charge. So we try to make sure that everybody can come uh, to this event. Um, we kind of took it off of a, a, a very good, um, you know, sort of conference that I went to years ago, but it's kind of held in the middle of Pennsylvania. And as you know, Pennsylvania is a big state and uh, has a lot of space in between. Um, and so I love the conference that was there, and I said, you know what, uh, now that I'm elected here, why don't I think there's a lot of need. Uh, why don't we build off of this almost like an, an enhanced senior fair that many people might have gone to, uh, that legislators sometimes put on. And I said, uh, let's just make this uh, full of resources, uh, a lot of informative speakers, and it's got to be free. Um, and uh, over the years, we've grown from uh, an event of uh, having 200 people at it uh, to this year having just under 1,500 people at it. Um, and it is, uh, we basically do it over three days thanks to our fantastic friends locally who help us do it. Uh, we have a great synagogue, Bethel, uh, here in my district that hosts us. Uh, we have uh, so many uh, friends, including our, our local hospital here, St. Clair Hospital, who, all, who help us be sure that we can keep this event free. Uh, and then, like I said, it takes so many other organizations and individual efforts, um, uh, people with a diagnosis of any type who come and play any role in this event. It is the most impactful 
Uh, it is my uh, again, number one event that we do, uh, and it really sets up months of casework, answering questions, helping people, connecting with resources afterwards for us. And these people are coming from my district, but also far beyond. It's not just Allegheny County. It's it truly is the southwestern, um, you know, sort of Pennsylvania region, and it is a, uh, a definitely a one of a kind resource uh, for people to go to. Um, and we do this too. It's not just with uh, self advocates, but professionals in the field. Those professionals who want to be in the field. We have everything from education uh, ed- educators to teachers, social workers, uh, as parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters, uh, um, and, and self advocates of, of every age group uh, and with every diagnosis who come. And that was part of our point too. Is again in sort of linking the disability and the mental health community. Um, instead of uh, we had a beautiful, a fantastic Down syndrome conference uh, recently here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we've had individual efforts that get done. But what we wanted to do was to say, look, um, there's much more of, of us, so to speak, people with, with, a, with a diagnosis than, than sometimes people realize. Uh, and we want to be sure that we can take steps forward that decrease stigma. We want people to be able to stand a little bit taller uh, in themselves and, and remember um, that um, they, they do have so much in common. Um, and it, it's not just a diagnosis, but I love it when we find people who are, are, are typical in, in many other ways, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, even these uh, typical kids with maybe a child with autism, they go, I didn't even realize that we played video games, the same type of Xbox games, right? So we're all about trying to break down barriers, bring people together, and decrease stigma with an eye towards also getting at the employment sector, and uh, which is still a major issue for us in Pennsylvania and, and nationwide, which is that as we are clearly graduating in more inclusive environments, more and more people with a diagnosis of any type, um, we are still struggling as a nation to, um, to help them reach their, their full independence uh, and to have the great opportunities that uh, we'd all love to have. Um, uh, and we are still suffering by having, you know, somewhere, depending on the state, 60, 65 percent of people with disabilities who are no longer in the workforce. That is a major effort of what we try to talk about at these events. And we're very blessed to put together a community of support and friends uh, who help us to do this every year. And I so appreciate everything you're doing. And as you know, employment is a big issue to me at Bender Consulting Services. We are all about finding employment for people with disabilities. But I wanted to ask you, is there a date set for this yet? So, um, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, we're just, um, the 29th anniversary of the ADA is is upon us. Um, Next year, of course, obviously the 30th. Um, due to our, our, our student program, because we do have a, a, a rather uh, meaningful student program, where we get kind of locked in certain time periods of the year. So uh, July and over the summer is not an option, so we'll be back where we typically are, which is March 6th. Um, so um, we've been doing it every March. It just falls in that way for the school calendar. Um, and since we have, we partner up with so many school districts, we really have to work off a schedule that, that makes sense for the kids to be able to come to it. Um, last year, I think we had 13 school districts send kids to the program that we put on as part of our Disability and Mental Health Summit. Uh, and as you, I'm sure, know, uh, coordinating and, and making sure um, uh, you take care of 150 uh, teenagers, um, you know, is not a small task. That is for sure. So right now, it's scheduled for March 6th then? 
Yes, March 6, 2020. Uh, okay. What a great thing, since it is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, you said there's no charge, but anyone listening to the show, if they're thinking, oh, this sounds so great, how can they find out about it, you know, so that they can attend? Right. So, we, we do have a website. It's disabilitysummit.com. Uh, up there currently is our last year's program with some small reference to what is coming. Um, so that is a tremendous resource. You definitely get the flavor of what we do. And over the relatively short couple months here now, um, there will be updates for programming and so forth to be uh, up online. We ex- expect the entire program to probably be up there as of December 1st, which would be you know, roughly four months before the event. Uh, now, the other thing, of course, is my office is always a resource for any information. Uh, so here in Mount Lebanon, just south of Pittsburgh, uh, my office can be reached at 412-343-3870 for any questions. Uh, and we're always looking for involvement. Uh, there will be roles for people, no matter where they are in Pennsylvania, uh, we're looking for ideas uh, and, and things that we can uh, bring to the table as far as resources. We're always trying to add new programs uh, we definitely don't look to rehash everything we've done uh, year after year. And obviously, as you referenced, look, the 30th anniversary is a big deal. The ADA is a big deal. Uh, it should be celebrated that way. It's arguably, you know, one of our top pieces of civil rights legislation this country has ever passed. Um, and uh, it didn't get passed easily, as you know. Uh, it took a lot of hard work by a lot of people, a lot of uh, sacrifice, uh, in order to make this uh, landmark legislation uh, become law. It took a bipartisan effort, which is almost amazing to think about in today's times, uh, but it was a bipartisan effort that, that helped get this through. Um, and it is something that we want to highlight. We want to bring that speciality. We want to bring that sort of ADA story to the event uh, to, uh, to, to educate uh, a new generation as to what this bill um, has done, is doing, was designed to do, but also then to, to kind of look to the future, to look to the horizon, and be like, what should we be doing? Because as we have come, as you know, uh, very far in a lot of ways, um, we still are, are uh, uh, Pennsylvanians and Americans with disabilities of all types, uh, are still not where we hoped. And the, fr- the fullness of the ADA um, in its mission statement has, has not been reached. Um, and that's something for all of us to sort of uh, uh, take our turn carrying that forward. Uh, and uh, definitely um, gener- new generations of parents, self-advocates, individuals, you know, um, they, we all stand on the shoulders of someone, uh, and we need to do our part to be sure that we are advancing the sort of ladders of opportunity uh, that some of us have received to some degree. They, not only do they have to be there for the future, but they need to reach further than they do now. Oh, how true is that? Because so many great things happen from the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, from curb cuts to captioning to being able to get on uh, a bus uh, to housing. I mean, I could go on and on. One thing, though, where the needle has not moved is employment. You know, how can 70% of Americans with disabilities still not be counted in the workforce? 
but we have great champions working for us like Representative Dan Miller, and we will be right back after the break with Representative Miller. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And we are talking to Representative Dan Miller, Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And you know what? For people in Western PA, Dan, where in Pittsburgh are like, what, what do you represent? What districts? So I'm based in Mount Lebanon. It's the seat of the 42nd district, but it also includes surrounding towns such as Dormont, Castle Shannon, Baldwin Township, and a bit of Brookline and Pittsburgh and Scott Township. Okay, well, we're happy to have you, and we're glad to have you right here in Pennsylvania. And we do have a caller on the line right now. Peggy, you're on the line? Hi, Joyce. How are you this afternoon? Good. How about you, Peggy? I'm I'm good. I didn't get to hear all of the show. I apologize, but I wanted to... um, call in and say thank you to um, Representative Miller for all his work on behalf of um, his constituents and and Pennsylvanians who live with seizures and epilepsy, in particular all the work that Representative Miller does every year with um, his Disability and Mental Health Summit here in the western part of the state. It's so important to increasing awareness about epilepsy issues and it's really a phenomenal event if, if anybody ever has a chance to attend it. It's just an exceptional event, and in particular, the work that Representative Miller does encouraging young people and, and, um, and self-advocacy among young people who have epilepsy is so impressive, and, and we're just so appreciative to have his leadership here in Western and Central Pennsylvania and, and his support. And I just wanted to call in and say thank you for all the work that he does on behalf of um, folks who are living with epilepsy. So, and of course, Joyce, you know we love you and and all the work that you do as well. But I just wanted to call and say thank you. We love you, uh, Karen. Representative Miller. Peggy is the CEO of the Epilepsy Association of Western and Central PA. 
yes. Yeah, and thank you for your kind words uh, and for your advocacy on behalf of uh, such an important organization. Uh, we have a lot to do together, so thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, wait till you see next year's uh, uh, Disability and Mental Health Summit that we do. Um, we're going to be making a, a bigger impact, uh, I think, on, on, uh, for, for all of us uh, who care about these issues. And, and I'm excited to see, and I, I think you will be too, with what, what comes next. Well, we're excited. It's on my calendar. I, I know it's March 20th, 2020. March 6th. And, um, is or it, March is 6th it March 6th, 2020. Yeah. yeah, I think, right? March, March 6th, right, yeah. Right, March um, yeah, yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, it, I, I can't imagine it being any better than it, than it already is, but um, we will look forward to it and, and spread thank the word. So um, thank you again for everything that you do. Um, we're very blessed to have you here in, in the Pittsburgh area and certainly in Pennsylvania. So um, thank you Thanks so again. much. Uh-huh. Thank have you, a good Peggy. afternoon. You too. Such a great person she is. And actually, she's known nationally. So I'm really glad mm. she called in because, you know, uh, epilepsy has comorbidities, and one of them is depression. Mm -hmm. So it is always amazing that when people think of mental health, they don't realize that in addition, they can have other uh, disabilities. And I'm really glad that you uh, cover so many uh, types of disabilities, mental health disabilities at your summit, and we will keep everyone on my radio show tuned into that uh, also. Uh, and before yeah. today, as we're coming toward the end of the show, something I just had to talk to you about is this mm -hmm. absolutely terrible situation in Pennsylvania with the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, which everyone listening to the show, you know, in every state, how they have vocational rehabilitation offices for people with disabilities called the Order of Selection that is going to really create a waiting list for people with disabilities to get help. You know, what do you think about that? Uh, and Representative, what can we yeah. do to change that? Like, how could our listeners help? Yeah, and, and it obviously it, it is a horrible thing. It is a disaster, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch. I know you're, you're, we're winding down on time. But, um, look, I tried to amend this. I actually um, filed an amendment and argued. I think I was the only uh, amendment, actually, to the state budget. Um, I was trying to uh, get, uh, basically, we were short $20 million. So, um, and, and j just to sort of complete the discussion, it wasn't a cut from the state dollars. It was a reduction of access to federal dollars, and the state, um, uh, seemed, the majority in particular, was not interested in having debate about whether or not we should, quote, unquote, backfill that $20 million. Uh, now, keep in mind the state budget, you're talking $34 billion. Okay, uh, and keep in mind that we put in hundreds, a couple hundred million dollars into our rainy day fund. So we put a couple hundred million dollars into our rainy day fund, or, or in some degree, some would call it a savings account for when times go bad. And look, generally, it has its point and value. My overall point that I was trying to make was 
that, uh, look, you, you've detailed, and uh, we've talked about the employment issue, the, the plague uh, that is in Pennsylvania and this nation in relation to employment opportunities for people with disabilities. Um, OVR struggles. Forget this latest uh, waiting list. Despite the best efforts of, of a committed secretary and many hard workers in, uh, in OVR and, and L&I, labor and industry, um, across the board, uh, look, they, they're, they were having problems in making things work before this. Uh, and that was a whole other discussion that uh, you and I can, can, can talk about. But the problem that came up here was federal dollars dried up. $20 million were needed for us to avoid having a waiting list for these types of services. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, I couldn't get one member of the majority uh, party to at least allow us the opportunity to hear this issue. Um, so they wouldn't even hear my motion uh, to put in the $20 million. Um, so, yeah, it is a major problem with it. It is a major step back for it. And, look, you know, people come up, and there's no doubt that you can take a line here or take a line there out of the budget and be like, I'm very glad that that's there. It's, the governor has been fantastic in bringing more money into special education, for example. So there definitely are pluses for people with disabilities that are in this budget uh, for people to talk about. That being said, I am tired of being in in Harrisburg time and time again, where we're supposed to be picking and choosing, well, um, what we can possibly say for people with disabilities or diagnosis of some type to latch onto while so much continues to be a problem all around them. So um, uh, somebody made a great comment in relation to the, to the rainy day fund, and they're like, well, you're going to need it if we run into problems. And the person said, well, look, it's raining hard and has been raining hard in my community for a long time, and that is very much what a lot of people who are looking for employment services through OVR are feeling. It is pouring down in the disability community. We are still embarrassingly not getting people into jobs, and there's a price to pay, not only fiscally, but morally as well, and clearly in a variety of ways, we are long since past what the ADA was founded, uh, was created to do as far as the spirit of it, the direction of it, and, uh, and uh, the legal, um, uh, the, its legal direction as well. So what can well, people do? you know what? With someone like you, I believe we can make a change. But right now, sadly, we've come to the end of the show. Um, And and so glad to have you on. And we end every show with a quote. And today it has to be from Tony Quello, who said, epilepsy is just part of who I am. It does not define me. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you.